Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. A definition of Marxism from Millwall fans has yet to be seen. It's episode number 217. And it's... <laughs> topical. Topic satire. That's what they call that one. Um, it's me, Chris. I'm back. I'm joined, as ever, by the ever-present Tony Lloyd. How are you? 100% record. Um, I know. Very, very good. Um, have, you, have you missed a podcast this season? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair but, enough. But not in like the last three weeks, which almost everybody else has. So that's true. That's that fair. is true. Apologies, apologies for not being here last week. But you did a, you did a stellar we, job. I've got to say, we did our best. You did, and podcast debutant over here. Oh, we got Mr. George Weaver. Welcome Hello to there. the pod. Hello, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you very much, Chris. I'm great, thank you. As great as one can be when Stoke have won. For well, two then. games in a row. <gasps> spoilers. Spoiler, oh, spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. That's very good. You've, you've moved us on nicely there to talk about the fact that Stoke have won two games in a week. 1-0 in both against Wickham Wanderers midweek and against Neil Warnock's Bluebirds. Or are they still... No, they are blue, aren't they now? They, they ditched the whole red thing. That was many years ago. Was Do you that think? not Middlesbrough? It was, it, it was, we played Middlesbrough, yeah. I'm sure of that. See, Did we? 20, yeah. <laughs> 20, 20, <laughs> 2020 and linear time are yeah. not easy bedfellows, oh, but God. this time it was Middles, It was Neil Warnock's Middlesbrough. Oh, we, okay, we, yeah. so we well, beat. I mean, However, geez. next week we're going to beat Neil you? Warnock's Cardiff. I'm so sorry. Yes. I suddenly went back. Uh, two seasons or something, and decided, Jesus, well, that is a really bad start to the podcast, isn't it? Of course, it was Millwall. I get confused over like who Neil Warnock's with, mid, 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 Middlesbrough, who Tony Pulis, <laughs> who Tony Pulis are with, who I just, who else did we? So we we beat right. Wickham. Let me start again. We beat Wickham midweek, and then we beat yes. Neil Warnock's QPR yesterday. Yes. No, Tony Pulis oh. is. Crystal Palace. <laughs> and what a game who, it was for a Sadie is, as well. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I am so... This is... Can you... <laughs> what you can probably tell from that is that whilst they were two glorious victories against Wickham and Middlesbrough, um, they weren't it the most... It was Cardiff, in... Chris. <laughs> I don't know who it was. <laughs> I don't know who it was anymore. It was, is... it was Middlesbrough. It was Middlesbrough. It was Middlesbrough, weren't it? That's yeah, look, I've got a picture. I've got a picture of Neil Warnock up now. He's wearing a Middlesbrough jacket, and that's recent. I think it is. He's seen. It's in a picture of him complaining about Portaloos or something. That, yeah, that sounds yes. right. Yeah. Podcast. Sorry, <laughs> Jesus. I was tempted to make us start the whole thing again then, but no. Let's keep the thing. No. So three three word <laughs> reviews. Oh, we've got well done. This is for the game against. We've got, Cardiff. <laughs> We've got <laughs> Pump It Up, Well Dug Out, We Are Stoke, Blocked Toilets, Colin. <laughs> Fox's Best Game, Just Keep Going. One for you here, Tony. Time and Set Pieces. Yes! We deserved it. Win Ugly Sometimes. Oh, Nathan Collins. Neil Warnock's Fuming. And he was, because he thought he was managing Cardiff. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. It was a a decent win, albeit uh it was more of a rough and tumble game than not. I mean both if we're talking about both games in, in, in all, um 
neither of them have been particularly pretty, but I don't know. The the results now see us in the playoff positions. Tony, are we allowed to be excited yet? No. Okay. Um, because That's the spirit. We'll, 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 we'll jinx it, won't we? Um, we've, we've been down this route before, at the start of every season since we came down. Um, when everybody says we might do all right, and that's dangerous talk. Uh, Dave's not here with his HMS Piss for League references. Um, <laughs> but no, I think we're, we're allowed to be excited with a, a due deference to the fact that we will have some bad games still, and as soon as we have one tiny, slightly bad game, everybody will be convinced we're going to lose all the games forever. And by everybody, I mean me. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was. It's, it's been a good week. We've got six points. We've got two, two one-nil wins, both headers, um, two clean what? sheets for Joe Bursic. There's, I mean, there's lots we'll go into. Um, but yeah, no, it's really good. I like, like we beat Wickham. Didn't see that coming because Wickham are a very small club, and we all like very small clubs, and they always beat us. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah. Uh, we we scored that we a good referee as well again against Wickham, which is very unusual. <laughs> um we've got we got our one goal which was scored by Sam Vokes drawing the entire defence out of position, allowing Nick Powell to nod home, which was very nice. And and we got to look at Gareth Ainsworth for ninety minutes, which bless him. I I, I like Wickham and I like Gareth Ainsworth despite he's, his affiliations. He's got an interesting like he isn't like most managers, is he? I think I said this on Twitter. No. He looks like he's in a, a cover band for um, for Saxon. Saxon, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we, but like... I, I'm, I'm jealous of his hair, but I hope they stay up. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know if they will, but no, I but... think that's that's fair. That's fair. Um, George, of the two headed goals that Tony just mentioned, which one was your favourite? Well, I mean, I, I'm no football coach, Chris, so. This is a difficult one for me to figure oh, out. Oh, will you? But, <laughs> um, oh. I, I don't know, it's a difficult one. I think I really like Nick Powell's because just the run he makes and the fact that Nick Powell is completely free in the six-yard box is brilliant. And you always know he's going to find that space. Mm. But it was ruined slightly by their defender falling over into it. Not ruined in a sense that I didn't enjoy it, <laughs> but I think Nathan Collins just belting it doesn't yeah. touch anyone straight in the top of the net. That's mm. the one. The thing with the Collins goal is he jumps so, so high. Yeah. I mean, he's not exactly a small human anyway, but he just... The the, the height that he gets on it is, is very, um, very impressive. It's been, to be fair, I think it's been a week where some of our young players, uh, who are not called Tyrese Campbell, have... Um, uh, Sam Vokes, sorry. Have... Um, <laughs> Have really, really, really shone. As you say, two clean sheets for Joe Bursick now. He's looking a little bit more confident. A goal for Nathan Collins. Uh, Tony's friend Josh Tymon uh, playing in midfield. This team is young. And that, for some reason... <laughs> oh, God, this is going to sound wrong. I love this team because they look so young. That's not what <laughs> I mean. But it, I think because they're so... There's so many like young players who are just coming through. You give them more patience, and when they do well, you because they have come through the the ranks, so to speak. You you 
have more of a feeling of ownership over them a little bit. And I don't know. We've, I just feel very proud of them at the moment. We, it still feels like we've very much got a gear to go up to, but I don't know. But it's, it's a weird one because, I mean, even when we were absolutely on fire in your kind of Stoke alone period, we beat really good sides. And if we ever played a Wickham or a Middlesbrough or the Premier League equivalent, like your Crystal Palace, Watford, <laughs> whatever it was, Norwich, they always beat us one or two nil. So to see the young players coming through and not just kind of being right up for it for the kind of big games, but managing to sort of dredge out a one nil win against Wickham and dredge out a one nil win against a fairly shithouse Middlesbrough side, <laughs> it's really, really impressive to see and really confusing and scary. At the same shall, time, <laughs> shall, shall we shall we talk about the the shithousery of um, of Middlesbrough? Because um, yeah, I mean it wasn't. I mean Neil Warnock, manager of of Cardiff City, um, he would suggest he was suggesting that it was indeed us who were the houses of shit. We were the ones apparently time wasting. We were the ones who gave them poor dressing rooms if you've not seen neil warnock's post-match interviews which i'm sure everyone has uh, he goes on to list about it's a bloody disgrace it's a disgrace this uh, the, 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 there used to be a premier league club these and now they're making us change in portaloose he's um he wasn't very happy with it at all um, i'm sensing a new character there for michael and <laughs> oh i'd love that we do we do need i'd happily do that you I could think, do Sean Bean as well. You could. And actually, I think if a few episodes back, that was also Jacob Brown. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, let me... There, oh there God, a, few people, a few people did ask, is how brilliant is it to be full-blown uh, shithouses again? I don't know. Like, Do you feel like this team is, I don't know, edgy? Because I felt Middlesbrough quite... I mean, there was the injury to Klukas. Oh, that was... Yeah. That, that, that was, was unpleasant. I mean, fucking Colin. I, I've i always quite liked Neil Warnock. <laughs> yeah. And and this... Uh, like, fouls, yeah, okay. Time wasting, yeah, okay, fine. I mean, I'm not precious about it after our glory period, period ba- basically being based on us being more robust than as many other teams as possible. But there was some shittiness. I mean, the moaning was... Again, fine. If he was ours, I'd expect that, um, and I'd be all right with it. Although he did take the piss out of Arsene Wenger basically before the game, saying how he'd always been laughing at Southerners, saying that Stoke was cold and rough, <laughs> and then yeah. moaning non-stop during and after the game was a bit. Mm. Um, so much so that even the very fair and balanced Pete Smith of the Sentinel disc- described him as pound shop Wenger um, <laughs> this morning. Which, that. Yeah, um, but. <laughs> I mean, and I'm, I say I'm fine with a rough and t- tumble. The, the the stamp on Klukas in the first minute was horrible, and it wasn't like the ball yeah. was near. Um, it was that was just a bit nasty. Like that's obviously an instruction. Just get into him and hurt him a bit, mm. and and he did, and he went off after seven minutes or whatever. Which obviously upside Josh Tymon came on, but I was still upset about about the injury. But but also the not taking the knee, no, not so much. Mm, yeah, um, proud of Stoke stance with that. Um, I really like that we took the knee and they just stood there. Unlike because there were some games earlier in the season where we just didn't that just got ignored, which I assume was because one team had said no, they weren't doing it. Um, but if that had been the other way round, I would have been quite upset. So, yeah. 
Yeah. I, I definitely want to pick your brains a little bit more about the incidents around this weekend and the whole mm. uh, taking a knee thing in, in, in a minute. But let's... let's um, Come on, let's not get distracted from Colin. Uh, <laughs> but the, on that point, it's kind of a... He was very sort of accusative of calling those shithouses, but I really, really don't think that's something that we've done. I think what we've done well is be good at reacting to other people being shithouses. I don't particularly mm. think we've been going in for stupid fouls or trying to rough up the opposition. I just think... I mean, players like Nick Powell sum it up perfectly because he gets kicked over the park constantly, and he just gets up and laughs at them. Mm. And I think we're so much better. <laughs> we're so much better at that than we used to be, mm. um, particularly yeah. in the first sort of row at season in the championship. Mm. I'm really impressed with that. Yeah, we. So, I, I, well, I was going to say we seem a little bit more durable, but then mm. I realised how threadbare <laughs> we are now in terms of numbers and injuries. We are pretty much down to the bones. In terms of numbers, aren't we? <laughs> it's That's, just... I mean, we are in a full-on injury crisis, but also it seems to be just an organic team. Like that thing you always dream of in dreams. Or football <laughs> manager, where, oh, a player gets injured, somebody else steps up, does the same job or slightly different. But, we, I mean, it, it's just showing how good our backup players are, which is great. But I mean, and how many we have of them. Yeah, which we've we've bemoaned in in yeah. recent weeks, but yeah, it's good. I mean, like Bursic, the way he's growing into the team, it's weird. We've got the three best goalkeepers in the league, but he, I mean, he he's claiming balls in the air now as well as he was doing the stuff on the floor a couple of weeks ago, and he he just looks really good. Um, two shots on target, I think, in the last two games, which is not many, but I'm starting to watch him and think that some of those low numbers are down to the way he's commanding the area and his positioning and forcing more difficult shots so they're going off target rather than trying to postage stamp or whatever. Mm. We just we just look solid. And we, it's, yeah, I mean, it's not, I know, linear time 2020 again, but it wasn't that long ago that Adam Davies was the best goalkeeper in the world and he was going to single-handedly win us the league and then we'd pretty much given up on the season yeah. and here we are. It's and funny when... Oh, sorry. Oh, go on, no, go on, go on, George. Well, I just, I, Joe Bursic, I kind of, that game against Wickham, I thought, okay, he's kind of, you know, he's done all right, but there wasn't anything spectacular, and I still thought, young keeper, still not quite sure. But then yesterday, just, that, that was like a 30, that was like a 33-year-old keeper, sort of, in the prime, knew exactly what to do, was out for everything quickly. I mean, even Jack Butland couldn't do coming out for crosses as well as that. <laughs> and he's kind of, you know, even in his best sort of years, he wasn't, he wasn't coming out as assured as, as Bursic was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it, yeah, I think when you think back to the, that first game that uh, Bursic was in and everyone was panicking after, well, they weren't panicking, but after the 4-3 that was, um, everyone was kind of like, oh, oh gosh, okay, things are going to be a little bit shaky for a while. It's quite good how, yeah, how stable everything looks at the back. And I, and I can't help but feel that that is completely down to the fact that we have a very, very good manager in, in Michael O'Neill, who mm-hmm. seems to be just getting this team to be pragmatic and organised. Um, and as you say, we don't seem to get rocked nowhere near as near as much by I think we still we still have an error in us we still have a a moment where old Stoke from two years ago can can 
show up and we look absolutely crazy. But I do think that on the whole, I can watch a game now mm. and feel relatively confident in the. Oh yeah, no, I don't feel like we're under the cosh here. I don't feel like this whoever. Cardiff, <laughs> whoever. <laughs> I don't feel like they're gonna uh, gonna get a goal back. I feel a lot more reassured with that. Do we? Do we feel like we know what we get from a Michael O'Neill side now? I don't think we know what we get, and I think that's probably a good thing because I think it's just that incremental improvement, isn't it? I think we all kind of fell for. Nathan Jones, including the Nathan Jones, everything's going to be, you know, mm. it's going. To, he, he always said it'll take a while, but at the same time, it was the thought was we're going to be bloody good pretty quickly. Yeah, and I think what Michael O'Neill's done is kind of quashed that a little bit and gone for the little improvements as we go along. You know, no one's expecting us to beat Wickham four nil, so we're happy with a one nil grinding out of a result, which is really really good. Um. But I don't think even Michael O'Neill knows exactly what the end point of his project is here Ma- in terms match, of how we play. Yeah, match situation FC, as yeah. Tom likes to say. Mm. Exactly. Because, yeah, we do... It, even how we start a game doesn't necessarily tell you what we're going to do for the rest of the game because he will he will change, sometimes mm. cruelly, by taking Josh Tyler <laughs> off at half-time, but in other times in positive ways... <laughs> But yeah, uh, I think I think the thing we can expect from Michael O'Neill is that when Colin Murray said he was really good, uh, we can expect that he was right, and whatever <laughs> he's doing is is working, basically. Mm. No, I agree, and I think that with I, the, the 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 difficulty will come when there is expectation. From fans at the moment, I think everyone is so weathered and beaten by the last few years of Stoke that any success on the pitch is welcomed. And whilst everyone is like, "Oh yeah, we're in the playoff places, this is awesome," I don't know if there is a realistic expectation that, like, let's say, like the next few games go poorly and we fall out of it. I don't think people are going to be like, "Oh well, that's it. O'Neill has to go. We're falling away from the playoff places." Like, I think people recognise that this is. You know, work in progress, and it's great that we're doing well right now. But yeah, blah blah. blah. I think the issue comes in when there is that expectation of success with our team, and hopefully we can maintain those those standards. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I I think people haven't seen kind of things like the Sunderland documentary and Mm. how bad a position (laughs) they're in, and you recognise that Hughes, Lambert, Rowett, Jones we probably aren't in that far away a position other than mm. the finances really um in terms of how cursed we could have been <laughs> no so, there is yeah what there's michael a, o'neill's done yeah there's a lot to say for like the stability that he's um he's brought to us at this moment in time we be, we are we are still only two goalkeeper injuries away from that that curse again <laughs> and chaos and it's, we're still stoked, so there's just, still a reasonable chance we won't get any more points true. all season. Just just keep buying goalkeepers, that's what we're doing. We just bring <laughs> yeah. more in on month deals, that's all we can do. It's crazy. Yeah, the goalkeeping situation is is mad. Let's just hope that Joe Bursic uh, doesn't pick up a knock any time soon, I guess. Um, it'll be interesting, though, when fans come back in, 
uh, because obviously we're seeing fans coming in uh, slowly but surely into the league games now. Um, do you think... So the, the the first game against Wickham had the fans involved. You know, fans were back in the arena. In the arena? God, that sounds very American. In the stadium. <laughs> do you think that... Yeah, it didn't play a, 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 a part in the result, but I certainly felt like we, in the first few minutes, felt a little bit... Ooh, like the atmosphere was kind of against us and it kind of slightly... Re- rattled how he played or at least it made Wickham play that little bit more intense um I don't know do you think it made a difference and are you looking forward to fans slowly coming back I think it made I mentioned the ref was really good against Wickham I think we've discussed your conspiracy theory Chris about the refs being marked partly on how they respond to the crowd yes particularly at big home games yes I think I think the crowd helped us getting 50-50 yeah. decisions because the ref was thinking, all right, can shut up, I'll ref the game. And a few of them that <coughs> might have gone, I mean, should have gone our way, but might not have done, Did I, I, I think it did make a difference to that. I don't think I'm looking forward to Stoke fans coming back yet, partly because <laughs> I won't be, because I'm, I'm going to be sealed away till March at least, I think, anyway. So, so from a selfish point of view, no. Um... And also, I, 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 this no, this sounds offensive. I don't know how to say this. It doesn't sound offensive. I'm just a bit scared that when the Stoke fans go back, they'll do something stupid, or a few, a small minority of them will do something stupid. Like, for example, what the Millwall fans did yesterday. I hope that's not the case. I think it'd be marvellous if we were on a stream or on actual telly at the first game with fans back at Stoke and everybody clapped. The, the brief kneel. I think that would be not Neil Warnock, I mean the kneeling for Black Lives Matter. No. Um, I think if we did a big clap, that would be amazing. But I just have a tiny bit of fear that there will be a couple of people maybe or more who boo or do something and I just don't want yeah. that to happen. Yeah. We, even kind of not going into that, that we, we have had a tendency over the past few years to sometimes boo or groan when Stoke players don't immediately put the ball in the box. <laughs> and with a lot yes. of young players, I think they might have been helped by the fact that they've just been allowed to kind of... Mm. It's not no yeah. pressure, but it's certainly a lot lower stakes when you don't have fans screaming at you, whatever they're screaming. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. don't know which way that'll go when they do come back, but... <clears throat> Uh, you, that's a way better point than what I said. So when <laughs> I'll edit this so that I say that and you say my bit. Good no, luck on Twitter. <laughs> no, I think you both. No, uh, you. Yes, George. I think completely. Um, these players have been somewhat sheltered and been allowed to make some errors that perhaps would have received a a cursory groan from fans. That um, yeah, they've just been allowed to 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 find their feet. It's been a a bit of a it's like wearing armbands, isn't it? As you're learning to swim, almost you've not had the pressure of um, <laughs> of, of, a, of, a, of the pressure of a crowd, I guess. In terms of what you're saying, Tony, I'll be <clears throat> completely honest. Like uh, it is, I am really scared about the fans going back into the stadium and a few, as you say, just a, a few um, boos at players taking the knee at. Uh, just 
I, like, I am, I... Everyone knows that Stoke City has essentially quite a right-wing fan base. I, I'm not saying everyone is right-wing. I'm not saying that necessarily if you are, you feel you sit right of the spectrum that you are somehow horrible or whatever. But everyone knows that in terms of an, in terms of a locality, we are known as a right-wing club. We are known as like a club that has associations with Rangers and things like that. That is generally if you if you look at like the perceptions from outside certainly when we made friends with St Pauli that was the St Pauli's fans like concerns over oh Stoke City they're a, a right wing club and uh, whatever like i it's a stereotype whatever within that though i do feel that there is some elements of truth as there is with all football fans that you just i don't know you, it, it's it's a difficult one I think you're right. I think there's elements on both sides in that mm. I do think we have quite a large left-wing following in the same way that any football club does generally mm. among its younger people. But we'll also have quite a large not-so-left-wing following that might not yeah. be as happy. No. And the worry is that if that becomes vocal enough for something like taking the knee, mm. and you know, if there's only 2,000 people there... It doesn't take a lot. Well, this is it. Well, like, indulge me for a for a moment at least, because like I have at no point I think on this podcast have we ever hidden our own personal politics, and I don't think at any point, with the exception of a few jokes, have we ever uh, made this podcast essentially political or anything. Um, but in terms of this whole matter of taking a knee. Um, Black Lives Matter and the and the the phrase cultural Marxism that is getting bounded around oh. everywhere online, you, like we 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 saw and heard all these booings from the Millwall fans yesterday and their as their team took the knee as you said and then I, I suppose you guys are going to be like me you went online and you've seen the even bigger online response of people support support for the booing and it was on everywhere from Twitter to like our very own Oatcake forum uh, people. Are, and I say this in quote marks, are f- fed up with this, the woke nonsense, uh, aren't they? That's what they're, they're saying, and, and fed up of, I saw this literally bending the knee for this cultural Marxism. All these all these sound bites that I've read and that keep getting repeated again and again by people, um, and then it's always followed up by, no, I'm all for equality, I'm all for equality, but this, this Black Lives Matter, they're a Marxist group, aren't they? A Marxist organisation. And and then, funnily enough, I feel it always goes on to weirdly being about how talking about something as ridiculous as black on black crime and how BAME people suddenly have more rights than white people. It's almost as if, from an outside perspective looking in, that you're not actually that bothered about equality. It, the issue that you have is that this is an issue for for black people that's getting prominently put around. And I think that I think there may there may be a reasonable argument to be had about whether you feel players kneeling down at the start of a game is effective in producing real change towards society. Uh, but even if you permanently believe that the message has somehow been diluted by being repeated week on week on week, why is booing your course of action? Because you, you boo at football when you disagree with something. And why are you booing people for exercising their right to free speech it's it's crazy and then i think and sorry i know i'm banging on 
Um, but I think the, the truth of the matter is you can see how far right this discord has been this has been dragged by by the term cultural marxism because like cultural marxism a decade ago was the language of the national front and the bmp it's, it's now yeah it's, it's a dog whistle it's yeah. a do- exactly it's a main it's now this mainstream term you hear tory mps talking about cultural marxism but what does it mean and that's the funny thing it's just a it's just a blanket term for uh, a widespread fear of this omnipresent threat against culture uh a wishing uh to to what change the way that we live make everything more politically correct and and again by virtue take away whites uh, rights from white people or something and yeah. because that but let's be totally honest that's genuine yeah. that is the the cultural marxism it's a nothing term it's it's literally embedded in third yeah. right propaganda it's joseph goebbels mm. it's Back in the 1930s, when the cultural Marxists were the the global Bolshevik Jews who were going to control the the world through communism, it's a terminology used to dehumanise people and further ideas of, of of division. It's a nothing phrase. The irony being that it has nothing to do with Marxism. Marxism is a is a, a method of understanding how society functions. It's not a, a doctrine on political correctness. And this is the thing. I don't. I, I don't think anyone who has called it cultural Marxism. I, I don't think any of them. Should you say to them, what is your definition of cultural Marxism, other than the words woke, you know. PC, that sort of thing. I, do, I don't think they're going to come out with any sort of summation of capital, <laughs> essentially. This is it. Which, this is, is it. you know, it's not, that's not particularly anyone's fault. It's just that it's a dog whistle that's worked. Yes, and that, because, because, I mean, the whole, because Marxism is rooted in a, in a historical understanding of, it, from, from, from the Cold War. It's, oh, it, it's, a, it's a, a terminology that was... Uh, branded around as the enemy of the West, it, but but let's not be under any illusions. Cultural Marxism, the use of it in this terminology, it comes from the fascists. Like that's where it comes from. It's it, it's it's a nothing. It's a nothing term meant to dehumanize people. That is all it is. Mm. Oh, I think that that the main sort of thing I think we can say is that if you now listening as a Stoke fan are thinking to yourself, if I go back and they take the knee, I will boo because I'm not a fan of Black Lives Matter, the quote-unquote political organisation. Or the political views you associate with Black Lives Matter as a group, whatever. If you're thinking of that, the players themselves have come out in, I think, several statements actually and said, we're not kneeling for any political movement, we're kneeling for inequality and Black Lives Matter as a statement, not as a political movement. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking of booing, the only way that is going to come across to the players of your team, the players who, you know, we, we all pretty much love a lot of this Stoke team now. They've done really well at getting back into people's hearts after hating them for mm-hmm. quite a while. If you're thinking of booing them, it's only going to come across to them that you are not wanting the inequality that they're kneeling to fight against whether you think it's reasonable or effective or whatever what they're doing the only thing you're gaining from booing is making them think that you are racist mm-hmm. and that's it mm. that's the only way it's going yeah. to come across no matter what your particular views are whether you think or are a racist that's the only way it comes across 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah, you put that's that's very eloquently put, I think, George. Yeah, absolutely. And what I would encourage is if you are, no, do you know what? Like, I, I, I say, if you, you, if you're listening to this podcast, I genuinely think that is that it is probably a minority of people who, uh, mm. who who feel this way, who feel so passionately against it um that they would they would boo and also feel that probably those people who feel that way probably don't listen to this podcast because we've said a few things that they probably didn't like in the past and they certainly aren't listening to it now after this (laughs) exactly (laughs) but if if they are then fair play for at least listening to other opinions well this is it well because that's that's you know yeah good good on you sir (laughs) or or yeah or madam the cru- the crux of it is, yeah, as you say, George. Even if you feel so passionately against the 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 statement, um, the players do not, and it's the players' choices to do so. And just like Middlesbrough did a ben, didn't you know kneel yesterday, we did. Our players want to do it and respect their choices to do so because that's what they're entitled to do. Gosh, yeah. we went off on one a little bit there. We did we? a little bit. I think Sorry. it's a fair thing to go off on. Yeah. I think of all Probably. the tangents that I've heard on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've we've uh, looking at the the run meter in the top corner. We don't have too long left. Uh, Tony, you had some other business you wanted to talk about with regards to was it BBC Stoke you wanted to chat uh, about? Kind of. I I want to upset some of our friends. Uh, nice. With some some wait. wait. Just leave a little gap there because I, I want to leave a proper gap there to make it easy to cut this out once I've had time to consider it. <laughs> but I did want to briefly speak in defence of BBC Radio Stoke. Uh, well, uh, more specifically the commentary because I have plenty of issues with BBC Radio Stoke as a piece. Just this season off the top of my head, there's been some fairly rotten casual homophobia and transphobia and all sorts of unpleasant shit sort of 2020 journalism kind of stuff uh actually i probably do want to talk about that um i don't know where to start (sighs) i mean it's rainbow laces week isn't it as well and i don't think i've seen anything about that campaign at all this week other than the armbands and the laces and the corner flags which is disappointing um but i mean it might just be me not looking in the right places but it has been a really shitty week for trans people in this country, particularly. Um, okay, just just Google the Good Law Project Legal Defence Fund and maybe donate something to that if you can, and I'll just tweet a link out or something. Um, football podcast. I was going to say something about BBC Radio Stoke. Okay, basically, I spent a lot of years wanting to be on the radio doing football, and now... That sentence, I think, probably proves I wouldn't be that good at it. But I've always been one for reading books by or about commentators, and there's always been a very clear fessing up uh, from TV and radio commentators about the way they work. Basically, TV commentary is like the York Notes, or whatever, if they still exist. Um, And radio commentary is the whole book. So Mm. on telly, they're just providing a bit of colour, and a bit of background, and on the wireless they have to always be saying something, and they're always talking, trying to impart the whole game, as well as describing what's going on at that exact moment. And, (coughs) excuse me, 
I always remember reading that the golden rule with that is to just go with your first sight and then keep going and don't go back to it, which is fine, but is ruthlessly exposed when you're getting the radio commentary and you're watching it on telly. And it's just, I feel slightly bad for the, the BBC Radio Stoke chaps are still commentating on these games for the radio, which is their job, even though they've probably got a bigger audience at the minute watching the streams than listening. Um God knows, I've been frustrated at times, not least the other week when they kept blaming Josh Tymon for things that other people were doing wrong. Um, and yesterday there were a few embarrassing moments, but I just think if you've been commentating for radio for ages and you're still commentating for radio now, it's probably quite dif- difficult to change the way you work. Mm, and they yeah. probably deserve a little bit of slack for some of the stuff, maybe. I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not telling you how to live your life. I'm not your dad. I just... I. I got really frustrated with him yesterday and then I felt really bad about it, so I felt maybe a tiny bit of a defence of their dark arts might be I think it's yeah. in order. I do feel bad for them. At the same time, having watched so many streams now, I am quite upset by the fact that almost every single match I listened to on the radio between the ages of, you know, what, 10 and 14 when I got my first season ticket <laughs> are probably absolutely nothing like... <laughs> What I yeah, you've got to. no idea what actually no. happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, you know, it, it's really difficult, and I get players' names wrong when I watch it. I think I've struggled more with sort of the analysis side of it than, you know, I can laugh when they call him Tashan Oakley Brown or whatever by accident <laughs> and comp- combine two players together. But I think, yeah, it's difficult for a relatively small regional radio station. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying they're flawless. I think Pete Smith was, though. Absolutely. <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I just, I, yeah. Maybe, I, I'm not saying I'm right either. Mm. But, but. And mm. They are certainly better than a lot of TV pundits. And yeah. although that is quite a low bar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So whilst, I, well, the, the Wickham game midweek, how did you mm. guys watch it because was it available on I don't know if it was available on stream it was on stream I think it was on Sky as well but I'm it was on Sky was so I watched it on the stream so who was commentary on the stream was it just the Sky feed or um, Martin Sentinel Martin formerly Sentinel Martin oh really because on the Sky on the Sky it was John Driscoll and I really like John Driscoll Um, okay and so I did wonder. I wondered if it was different commentary for different streams, uh, because yeah. I just assumed that the Sky one was picking up. I don't know the regional thing, but then if it's different, different commentators. I imagine mm. John Driscoll was just sat in a room somewhere watching it and talking over it. He definitely wasn't in the ground, but I don't know. Yeah. I might have misremembered, but I think I think it was the usual. I'm pretty sure it was Radio Stoke. Mm. Yeah, it was stream. definitely Radio Stoke on the stream. Yeah. Well, if, I mean, it was six to seven years ago. Neil Warnock was still managing um, <laughs> Sheffield, Sheffield United. United. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who is Cardiff manager? Does anybody know? Because we are uh, playing him next week. It, it's the Not one Malky it, Mackay, it, is it? Neil Harris. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, he's yes. just signed Graham Kavanagh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Oh, man. I just, I mean, I, I, I had to look it up because. I realised as I looked at the show notes, I've literally referred to them as Cardiff all the way through the show notes. 
Oh, it's a nice. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. But I'm now looking at. I wanted to look at what Neil Warnock's career was. He's managed so many teams. He grew up on the net. You know, bit of background. You know, my current house that I live in now. I know. Used that, yes. to be um, Mickey Adams's house when yes. he was young. Oh. Yes. Off the Vale, and briefly at Stoke, so it's acceptable. Well, my old house in Sheffield, before I moved here, uh, Neil Warnock was born and grew up on the next road on a little estate in Fretchville. There's definitely oh, wow. a joke about shit house in there somewhere. It, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but if well, Dave was here, I'm sure. It was a shit house. <laughs> there we go. Hey. Mm. But, like, he's just managed everyone, hasn't he? He's it's just, not us, which is weird, really, yeah. isn't it? Because yeah. he could have done several. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> this is Stoke, right. Tony. Never, you can't be sure. Never it say is, never. Yeah. He's yeah. seventy-two. He's seventy-two years old now, but he definitely well, he saved Rotherham not long ago, didn't he? And then he retired, and that was lovely and heartwarming. And then he went. Or to, did he get him promoted he back again? No. Uh, yeah. And then he went he, somewhere else. Let me quickly look up because that you, was. You had well, while, while you while while we do, man looks at Google. Um, did everybody see wholesome Billy McKinley's club shop gloves yesterday? I didn't know. Blue, he had blue woolen gloves on with Stoke badges on, and it was really wholesome oh. and lovely. And I just I just want to look after him. He's just he's so pure, and I can't believe how much I've fallen for him as an assistant <laughs> manager. I didn't was see this, that were coming. You sort pop- of researching your role then, whilst no, I uh, well, yes. I was, yeah. It did seem like a good line to talk about gloves, um, but no, I just, I just, he's, he's, he's obviously ace. Uh, in my head, he's got, he's got his shouty voice where he does shouting, and then he's got a special voice reserved for when he's talking to referees, when he's very calm and precise, but obviously threatening. Mm. But yeah, no, I think Billy McKinley's like ace, basically. <laughs> what do you think uh, Neil Warnock's position on Brexit was? Because it says it here. I, I remember, unfortunately. Yeah. I, we might have even mentioned it on, on here. But he was exactly <laughs> where you'd think he would be. <laughs> he says... Oh, no. <laughs> I can't wait to... Hang on, no. <clears throat> I can't wait to get out, if I'm honest. I think we'll be far better out at bloody thing. In every aspect, football-wise as well. Absolutely. To hell with the rest of the world! Well, like, that is just... Well, Neil... Uh, with respect, I think you're wrong. I think if anyone should get out, it's you. Oh, what a response from Nigel Johnson as well. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, you've, oh, you've, you've undone me. <laughs> oh, jeez. I mean, this has been quite a tiring episode. I do not envy your task of editing Tony. Um, not editing uh, Tony. You've not got to edit yourself. Um too late for that (laughs) Um, any other business you'd like to bring to the table Um, I wanted to say well done to James Chester for being a footballer yesterday I have not been a big fan of his but when he threw himself in front of that last minute block I jumped up and scared my flatmate and my dog so (laughs) fair play that was the best game I've seen from him in a Stoke shirt I think by some distance. Fair enough. I agree. Can I just add on a centre back note? Oh, Ryan Shawcross, how lovely was that oh. to see? Two thousand and eight Ryan Shawcross as well, with the shaven head. 
Yeah, yeah. and, and he, he just slotted straight in, nodding balls away for fun and being all captain-y and ace. It was, and he didn't, like, there were no brief periods where he had to sit down and you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, but then he got up and he was all right. It was none of that. It was, I'm excited. I really hope that continues, especially seeing as everybody else is getting injured, so maybe this is his time to not get injured for a bit. Fingers crossed. Fingers yeah. crossed, hey? Right. Well, if that is everything, if that concludes our session for tonight, I will say thank you, George, for coming on the podcast. How can people get in touch with you should they wish to chat to you about any opinions you hold? Oh, God. Well, if. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, I'm before not sure you that's go, something I should no, say. At, but... at Sussex Stokey. Sorry, George. <laughs> yes. George, before you go, if you had to ban a sitcom, what sitcom would it be? Oh. Mrs. Brown's Boys. Uh, I think that takes. Uh, the tally there up to 25,000 how can people get in touch with you George if they want Um, well my twitter is at georgelw96 very good and Tony thank you for being here once again remind the, the, the lovely people out there if they want to chat to you on socials what can they do uh I am at Tone De Peer on the twitter and and I look at the Wizards account sometimes as well. But That's true. Yeah, no, it's it's been an absolute pleasure as always. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's you, we you, you're part of the furniture, Tony. You it wouldn't be the same without you. I'm a let's hope that long. you can let's hope you can keep that 100% record going forever and ever. All <laughs> right. In which case, I will say good night to you all. Or good morning, or whenever you're listening to this podcast, really. Have a nice day or whatever. And please we'll don't see boo. And please. Yes. Also, please don't boo. Please don't boo. Stay safe. Stay safe. Be kind to each other. And more importantly, go on Stoke. So, Patreon episode, don't you? <laughs> Patreon. Hooray! Extra Wizards of Drivel content for only 86 pence per month. And if that's too much, blame the government. Because $1 was about 75p a week ago. But anyway, uh, your $1 a month gets you access to hot content on the Wizards of Drivel like this. I'm joined by Alfie Potts Harmer, author of England's Greatest Defender. So, Dirk Copeland from uh, Blackburn Rover Seas, uh, thank you for joining me. Joining me is Ollie Dawes from Deepdale Digest. Hello and welcome to the Stoke City Years, a podcast series that reviews the history of Stoke City season by season. What else was happening around the world in 1891? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Boundless enthusiasm. Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. I'm joined by Tom Thrower. Evening, everyone. And unquestionable sobriety. I thought Josh Tyman was really good. <laughs> Tony, we've all had a bit to drink. Transfer deadline day with sign James Chester. If Gary Rowett was a US president, what president would he be? Jimmy Carter. But people have signed up to the Patreon where we are actually semi-comprehensible from time to time. What? So, if you want to keep this thing happening, patreon.com forward slash wizards of dribble, we're all very, very poor people. Four years being on this podcast, I've gradually grown it to a place when it was a completely <laughs> unlistenable mess using, you know, free copyright free music. 
microphones didn't work, it was barely audible, and yet people persisted with it. <laughs> to a point, we've interviewed Ricardo Fuller, we've interviewed Liam Lawrence, we've interviewed Leon Court, we've interviewed Gordon Banks, we've interviewed Terry Conroy. We've had like experts on from other clubs. We've had like football finance experts mm. and people like John McKenzie and like uh, the not the top twenty pod guys. I'm amazed at the people who actually say I listen to the Wizards of Dribble podcast, and yet not two minutes ago, <laughs> Chris Brammer just used the phrase "It's a good oven." <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/WizardsofDrivel. It's a shame with the ne'er-do-wells of a cynical new age. Nerf is easier if it pleases you, so we'll let it all slip away. Hang on, hang on. Uh, notification on my neighbourhood Facebook group. What is all that racket? <laughs>